It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Nobody likes the idea of a recession, but often we're just looking at the dollars and cents of an economic downturn. Our next guest is going to help us look at beyond that, looking at how this might continue to strain an already divided nation and fray some of the fabric of our society. Helene Olin is a columnist with The Washington Post, and it's great to have uh, Helene back on the program again. Uh, you wrote a great piece today that a re- recession won't just hurt at the bank. Uh, it could also make us more divided. Tell us about that. First, I'm sorry you thought it was so great um, because <laughs> I'm not exactly bearing good news here. Uh, basically, what I discovered is I was I started to look at the academic research on how we react to downturns. And the, the sort of takeaway is it does nothing very good for our politics or civic lives. Uh, general rule of thumb is recessions leave us less trusting, uh, more lonely, more isolated, and more inclined to turn to authoritarian populist figures, whether on the left or the right. Yeah, and looking at that, uh, I think it is part of the crucial conversation, which is why it was brilliant, because it got us thinking differently uh, about these. And that's the only way we can we can change those. And so you, you talk about that uh the risks, obviously, the risks are uh, a populist, uh, strong person from again the left or the right uh, can come in uh, with that. What else should we be watching for? Uh, you also mentioned that the trust, and then also the isolation uh, that could come out of a recession. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, first, I'll, I'll talk about the trust issue. Is one of the issues with trust is that the the harder economic times are, the more likely we know pe- people are to vote whoever's in office out, right? It's, it's sort of the bump, throw, throw the bums out phenomena. Right. But in societies, it's not quite as obvious as it seems. In societies where there's a high level of trust in civic institutions and the government, that's much less likely to happen. Uh, here in the United States, it should come as no surprise to anyone listening to this uh, broadcast, we don't exactly have very high levels of trust right now in um, our government or each other. It's something along the lines of, um, you know, in the late 1990s, which um, in retrospect now seems like, you know, sort of this beautiful golden age, um, two thirds of people said they trusted their fellow members of the public when it came to their political decisions. And one third said no. Now that's pretty much reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the baby boom, three out of four Americans said they trusted the government most of the time. Now it's really about one in four trust the government to be acting in our best interests. So that combines with a nasty economic downturn. People start getting very angry very fast. And then there's the second factor that checks out, and I think we really just saw it after the pandemic period, which is the sort of isolation and loneliness. Recessions tend to leave people more isolated. Um, They don't go out as much. They spend less time with friends. They don't socialize as much. 
More people live alone now than they used to. And that seems to somehow feed into the sort of looking for a, a, a more authoritarian leader. And the, the best data we have on this recently, and I don't mean this to come across as, as politically loaded as it's going to sound, is, is when you look at who supported Trump versus Hillary Clinton or, or Biden, which is people who said they had less in the way of social contacts actually were more likely to support Trump in 2020 over, over Biden. They reported being lonelier. Um, and this is something that's been well known to, to people who write on this stuff. I mean, Hannah Arendt, you know, talked about the, the lure of, of authoritarian leaders to people who, who feel isolated, left behind, lonely, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah, uh, that's that's fascinating. I think it's important to uh, to put that all into that context, uh, because, that, again, it can happen from uh, either the right or the left. Uh, in terms of who comes next and what that message is. It's almost kind of the wraparound populism uh, argument that, that seems to come up, uh, again, especially in those economic downturns. Uh, one of the things I wanted to dig into a little bit uh, that you mentioned in your piece is is that the less trustful uh, societies become less stable. You talked about being more angry. And I wanted to ask you this question uh, because this is what's been rolling around in my head, and that is we have stress-tested this constitutional republic and and democracy under all kinds of things, from economic downturns to pandemics to world wars and everything in between, but we've never really stress-tested it uh, with a complete lack of trust in those institutions. Does anything in the research uh, give you any insight into terms of where we are in terms of that trust stress test? It's really hard to know because, you know, it's also theoretical. But I think all of us, you know, who've been alive several decades at this point, at least, have a decent sense that things are simply people. People just simply don't have the faith in the institutions that they had, say, in the 1970s, 1980s or even into the 1990s. And and we can kind of see that. I mean, we, we had the past several years have been, you know, one load of turmoil after the other post the financial crisis from the rise of the Tea Party to Occupy Wall Street. Again, I want to make this clear. My, yeah. my take on this, you know, encompasses both sides of this to the past, you know, the Trump election and the you know response to it, both the push on the left and, the you know, on the right when yeah. he lost where this idea came about that he'd had the election stolen from him in the face of literally no evidence to the point that people were willing, there were a certain number of people, as we all know, who were willing to march into the Capitol and wreak havoc, which is just nothing any of us have seen in our lifetime. And that in itself is just not good. And then you can sort of combine that with the pandemic isolation that seemed to feed into you know, the QAnon phenomena, the anti, you know, the, the sort of conspiracy thinking about vaccines that started to crop up. And yet none of this, you know, feels like a very good period to me. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. So as we look at the at the path forward, we've been uh, talking a lot on the program today about kind of where we are. And obviously, President Biden is is facing a lot of stiff headwinds rolling into the midterm elections. We've been talking about the, the messaging strategy mm-hmm. and what's happening inside the administration and, and the White House. Uh, I do think the president gave a, a great speech at Arlington yesterday. I thought that was uh, President mm-hmm. Biden at his best. Uh, but what can the president do? What should the president do? 
uh, to make sure as we still deal with these economic challenges, I don't think we're headed for the Great Depression, uh, but obviously we've got some uncertainty yet ahead. What is it that the president ought to be doing, even just from a messaging standpoint, uh, to help kind of foster a little bit of that trust and give us a place to, to function from? This is such a hard question um, because I hear you. It's, you know, people hate inflation. We know this. I've written about this quite a bit. People have this almost visceral dislike of it that seems to go well beyond the actual economic impact of inflation, you know, of, of yeah. the type of the kind of inflation we have now, right? I'm not talking about Weimar level inflation. I'm talking, you know, the 7 8% stuff that we're dealing with at the moment. And, you know, it's hard to say what they can or can't do aside from trying to get it under control without, you know, sending the economy into a recession, which is a good luck to you phenomenon, as we all know. Right. But I would say that one mistake the Biden administration made early that they've had a hard time recovering from, despite the fact the messaging is now quite good in a lot of ways, is that they didn't take it seriously at first. Mm. When the, the message came that this was a temporary surge initially, it left you know people distrustful again. You know, it didn't seem to take people's concerns very seriously. And again, in an environment where people are so distrustful of what's coming from the government to begin with, that was probably it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. Right. Right. But in retrospect, that was probably a, a, a bad error that is very hard to come back from right now. Yeah. Yeah, really challenging. Uh, great stuff as always. Helene Olin, the columnist at the Washington Post, and even on topics that are hard and difficult to swallow sometimes, uh, we always appreciate your thinking and your great writing. Uh, it helps us think again about what we think we know about the news of the day. And more importantly, it helps us get past the headlines and really get into uh, what do we actually do? Where do we go from here? Uh, Helene, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. All right, and that's uh, Helene Olin from uh, the Washington Post, columnist there. And again, sometimes it is the the hard news and a dose of reality in terms of of where we are. And uh, as I have continued to say, one of my great worries for the country is the trust issue uh, that we we have to have that in the institutions. Uh, absent that, there's not a lot else that uh, can hold it all together. And and so I do think it's incumbent upon our elected officials and the president in particular to to do the things that help restore that trust or rebuild that trust. And to do that, it's in my view, it's pretty simple. You go back to those core principles uh, that we all agree on. We go back to some of those founding principles that have made the society work. And then you start building that into some policy and help the American people recognize all the areas where we do agree and where we can actually get the right things done, not getting something done just to say we did something or to make us feel good that we did something, uh, but to do the right thing policy-wise for the long term uh, that will help us maybe with some hard medicine now, uh, but will give some great results as we move down the calendar. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.